millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's not a bad singing voice. That's how they sing it in the film. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hi, Richard. Merry Christmas, Richard. Uh, happy Hanukkah, Adrian. And more appropriately, thank you. Welcome, everyone, to the Cole Popshire podcast for the first ever film franchise Fortnite's Hanukkah special. Um, every year around this time, uh, because we usually cover a uh, different film franchise every fortnight, so every year around this time, we try to cover a festive franchise, Richard. And in the last few years, we've been running out of franchises set entirely during <laughs> Uh, the silly season uh, and in the last so the last few uh, Christmas holiday specials have been franchises with at least one <laughs> holiday film <laughs> amongst them and this year Richard might be our loosest tie-in yet uh, as we cover the four films in the An American Tale franchise uh, where the first film opens with a brief scene set at Hanukkah <laughs> and it is never mentioned again for the rest of the series <laughs> I'm curious like so so you started the episode by saying merry christmas and i said happy hanukkah mm. like is it like can pete can anyone just say happy hanukkah in the same way we say merry christmas i get because christmas is so ubiquitous as an idea whereas mm. obviously a hanukkah is only celebrated by you know a certain group of people but i guess technically christmas is also it's just that mm. christians have just co-opted the entire world yeah for themselves yeah but yeah like is it okay to just say happy hanukkah or does it feel like i'm making fun of it right yeah like uh, so you're retroactively questioning did we just say something really offensive is it not our right to say this is the film franchise fortnite's hanukkah special well like not offensive but is it just like yeah is, is it like oh cool they're doing a hanukkah one or is it like are they allowed to do that <laughs> well i mean this episode was announced two weeks ago and no one um came to tell us we should yeah you've you've so. had your time to cancel <laughs> us well also like it's we're we're probably not going to mention hanukkah again yeah deletes pages of notes <laughs> <laughs> an american tale for those who are unfamiliar with it is the brainchild of famed animator don bluth who directed mm. the first film we've seen bluth before as he directed the land before time <laughs> a film and franchise we unanimously hated or should i say unanimously hated because an american mm. tale is about mice land before time is about dinosaurs so it's not a perfect word plan i would have been better if i said something was unanimously uh loved or whatever about an american tale but uh steven spielberg is also in the mix he he produced the first two films um so familiar faces all around uh, and there'll be a few more potentially throughout as well potentially oh <laughs> it's like when something's potentially pretentious the, <laughs> yeah. 
The American Tale films follow the exciting journeys of one Fivel Mouskowitz, a young Russian Jewish immigrant mouse who travels with his family to Manhattan in the late 1800s and gets lost several times along the way. He's always getting lost. He's always getting into all kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> the four American tales make up our 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th films we've covered on film franchise Fortnite's to mention America in their titles and wow. the fifth franchise overall after American Pie and American Wealth in London slash Paris, Captain America and Coming to America. Wow. So howdy y'all. It's back on our American series. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, An American Tale, the first film, came out in 1986. As said, it was directed by Don Bluth. What do you think it was rated by critics on Rotten Tomatoes? Wow, that's an interesting question. I'm going to go 80%. Which I I feel like that's all right. I'm not too offended by that that score. Hmm. It doesn't feel like a personal attack. No, yeah, totally. (laughs) Can you tell us in in broad strokes what is An American Tale 1986 about? Well, broadly speaking, it's about the American dream. Yeah, right. (laughs) All right, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a family of Russian Jewish mice who emigrate. It's raining so heavy. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, Rain happens to be this exact same like timber is mm. static which audio editing is really it's just cutting out. fucking gets rid of just like that yeah so uh yeah they the the mouskowitzes they leave russia because it's a shithole <laughs> and there's the the cossacks burn down their fucking village and they go well let's go to a place where there are no cats <laughs> which uh, is famously america and mm. they sing this whole little song about how there's no cats in America. Then they get yeah. to America. They get split up as well. The family get split up from Fivel, And then they get to Fievel, America. Fivel, a tiny mouse who falls off a boat into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and still manages to find his way ashore. And then, yeah, they, they go on. The family goes... Oh, well, you know, uh, no son for us. Yeah. <laughs> and then Fivel is determined to reach his family again. And then eventually shenanigans happen. He meets 1,000 different background characters. <laughs> Most of whom are cats as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're eventually reunited. And then they get separated again. <laughs> And then they get reunited again. <laughs> yeah. A- atop the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Which is in its original copper color. Mm. There's also a whole storyline about how they're going to get rid of the cats in America. They're going to get rid of all the cats in New York by building this giant, a giant machine yeah. that's like a, a legendary scary mouse, mouse monster. Yeah. And they yeah, scare all the cats. The, the, the legend ocean. of the scary mouse monster. It's an yeah, old yeah. Russian folktale. <laughs> uh, what did you think of an American tale? Had you seen it before? Uh, I I swear I must have seen it before. I didn't have much memory of it. But like, I know I've seen little Fievel Mouskowitz mm. in mm. motion before. <laughs> so somewhere in the back of my mind, I've seen the film. But yeah, it's it's fun. It's 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 inoffensive. Like people whose childhood was the land before time, I think 
had a shitty life growing up. Uh, People whose childhood was an American tale. That's not bad. You're all right. (laughs) You're all right. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember seeking this out when I was in high school because I had vague memories of seeing some of the films as a kid. Um, Though in rewatching the sequels, I don't think I had seen them. (laughs) I don't. I didn't have any like enduring memories pop up and be like, "Oh my god, I I I so remember this." I I think this movie is is okay. I I'm not. I'm not in love with it. Uh, I remember we watching it in high school being like, ah, eh, that was all right. I think that's the Don Bluth style, to be honest. Yeah, totally. I totally know what you mean. Because even like something, like the only Don Bluth uh, film, I think, then just looking quickly at his filmography, that I'm like nostalgic for would be Anastasia. How crazy is it that Don Bluth also directed Bartok the Magnificent, the yeah, straight-to-DVD yeah. sequel to Anastasia? <laughs> I couldn't believe that when I saw that earlier today. Yeah, and, and Anastasia is... and and But even if I were to revisit that, I would probably be like, eh, you know, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> the, the music in Anastasia is really good, is mm. the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, American Tale has its fair share of 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 catchy ditties. Um, somewhere out there, I think, is a is a great song made made famous for the for Gen Z probably through when it appeared in that episode and of Community. No, I guess millennials are from the thing. But the, well, I already knew it when I saw it in Community, so I didn't want to say I knew of it because of Community. Yeah, I I feel like I'm most familiar. I mean, outside of Community, the uh, Linda Ronstadt did a version right. of it. Okay. Well, like the the you know when they do mm. movie songs and they do like a popular artist will do a version of it, and I think yeah. I think Linda Ronstadt and someone else did the version of it. Yeah, She's I a very my good singer. my flatmates aren't very keen on musicals, and I I quite like musicals, and so it's always a bummer. Isn't one of your flatmates a music? Correct, and they don't like musicals. Wow. And I played them somewhere out there as a joke, just to be like, this is the franchise I'm watching this this week. And they were hooked on it. And it's because, as I alluded to at the start, they just get the shitty little voice actors to sing it. It's mm. not it's not like a pristine version of the song that plays in the credits. It's these squeaky, no pun intended, like underdeveloped child voices singing the song. And they liked that because it had like a, a level of authenticity to it and felt true to the characters you i think feel the opposite because you messaged me <laughs> while you were watching it being like i can't believe this is the movie version of the song well it's just it was surprising like just the fact of like knowing its reputation from community and the way people talk about it you expect this like really powerful like you know swelling musical score mm. but it's just like this off-key discordant little kid just kind of singing yeah yeah i think the part i fall in love with is the line um in the great somewhere out there like it starts out as saying somewhere out there and then at the end they're calling it the somewhere mm. out there i quite mm. like that i think that's very lyrically uh satisfying lyrically oh is lyrically a word? Yeah, lyrically is a word. <laughs> it is? Okay, good. Um, I also find the performances pretty good, quite charming, but I also find the film in general <laughs> to be more dull than exciting or bright and colourful. I think I respect this film more than I like it, as it's always really fascinating to see a non-Disney animated feature from this era where basically the only animated features were Disney. Um, in fact, according to IMDb, an American tale, 
Tale was Universal Pictures' first animated feature film since Pinocchio in Outer Space from 1965. (laughs) Uh, The synopsis of which reads, Pinocchio must prove himself as a real boy when he takes off to Mars with Nurtle in the capture of Astro, a flying killer space whale. I feel I, like not being a real boy would be advantageous if you're on Mars with there's no atmosphere. <laughs> um, Siskel and Ebert, famed film critics, did not like an American tale. It just says this film in my notes. I'm like, no, everyone will think I'm talking about Pinocchio and Outer Space if I don't <laughs> clarify. I'm back to an American tale. Um, they called it the most downbeat children's movie since Return to Oz. Um, they said it was way too depressing for young audiences, which I understand because for a majority of the film, the parents think their son has died, uh, which is yeah, but it's quite. Funny. <laughs> Um, both reviewers also criticised how it gave little mention to the main, that the main characters were Jewish or that the well, attack yeah, on their home... It only deserves a little mention because they're <laughs> little oh. Jewish because they're mice. Nice. Um, they also talked about how the attack on their home at the beginning was an anti-Semitic attack um, and called it a Jewish parable that doesn't want to, to declare itself and that it chickened out on its ethnic heritage. Now, Richard, as a Gentile, do you have any thoughts on this, <laughs> this argument? <laughs> Obviously, it's not for us to say. I just thought it would be interesting because this film is both celebrated and, I guess, criticised for how well or not well it represents um, huh. Jewish folk. Didn't so. know what Gentile meant. Oh, it means non-Jewish. Well, I would have thought, you know, if you'd asked me what Gentile meant, I would have thought it meant Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I I feel like An American Tale is a very Jewish film. Mm-hmm. And it's like explicitly Jewish, you know, the characters and all this stuff. And just the story it tells, I think, is like a parable for many jewish families mm-hmm. or um, you know and ancestries mm-hmm. i i feel like you know may- maybe s- some of this criticism i feel like we don't get this so much of in films these days that i think we're more willing to accept now that it's like yeah it's a story about you know the, the, a, what a lot of jewish people went through and, and that like a, a families emigrating yeah to america but we did it with mice. Yeah, I think they are, they are coded as Jewish. And I would wonder, I, I wonder if, if it actually be more offensive to explicitly say they are Jewish mice, because then that brings into question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to be like, yeah, the, the mice are, are Jewish and the, the, and the cats are... Nazis. whatever <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah like it calls it's it's the it's the thing that people have been making dumb little videos about pixar's cars for for decades now mm. where it's like was there a car jesus like if if the mice are called jewish yeah is there a mice uh uh yahweh is there a, you know like it, it brings into question all the stuff that that i think doesn't work and it works better as being yeah like a coded story that can work as a metaphor um mm. But it was not the first uh, piece of pop culture to uh, use mice. Include Jewish people. No, that's true. <laughs> or use mice as a metaphor for Jewish people. Oh, yeah, this mouse mouse uh, art spiegelman who's a, a graphic novelist he accused spielberg of plagiarism due to the fact that the jews are depicted as mice in the film just as in spiegelman's mouse a graphic novel um a metaphor he had adopted from nazi propaganda so he sort of reclaimed 
that the symbol of of Jewish people is mice. So even mouse wasn't the first um, piece of pop culture to use it. Uh, Instead of pursuing copyright litigation, he opted to beat its release date uh, by convincing his publishers to split mouse into two volumes and publish the first volume before he'd even finished writing the second one. So mouse came out before an American tale, but only half of mouse came out before an American tale. Oh, oh, so it succeeded on that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have, sorry, sorry, have you have you read Mouse? I've always wanted to. I got it for my brother for Christmas once. And yeah. in my head, I was like, this is such a fucking perfect gift for my brother. Like, mm. I'm so proud of myself. He never commented on it. I don't think he ever read it. If you're listening, you- Nick, did you read Mouse? And do you still have it? Because I thought that was a great idea for a gift. <laughs> it, it's, it's got such a striking, like, title and cover. And I always remember, I remember seeing it in the library at school. And I was always intrigued by it, but I never read it. Um, well, it, it won, first graphic it won, novel to win a Pulitzer. That's right. That's what, mm. that, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, I presume yeah. it's good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I presume so. Too. I presume so. Yeah, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, the concept of an American tale didn't start with human mice allegories, though. Well, maybe it did, actually, but in a more uh, intense way because it was originally envisioned as an all-animal world, similar to Disney's Robin Hood. Um, Or cars, but with cars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Don Bluth suggested featuring an animal world existing as a hidden society from the human world, like in Disney's The Rescuers, would be better. Do you think this means the humans can see their little hats and their little dresses and, and their oh, little yeah. shoes? Absolutely. Their wee little <laughs> boots. It's not It's not sausage party rules where they only see the, the reality on of the world. <laughs> when they're on bath salts. Um, yeah, I, I, cause like the world in, in an American tale is like on the bottom of a human tram will be a tiny little box that the mouse, the mice have their own little tram conductor in. Um, and you know, they have their own little mice newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, only, there's a mouse, there's actually a mouse printing press in the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that seems to be a holdover from the, the human world they live in for some reason is their money is just regular coins. So they'll hand over. <laughs> these gigantic coins to each other when they're paying for something and i was like there's no mouse mint we know yeah yeah, there we go but it's so funny because it's like surely you would figure this out mice you've already figured out newsprint like can you not figure out how to like make smaller coins so you can carry Mm. more money with you (laughs) (laughs) um one character who appears in all four films and played by the same actor which is Mm. a rare thing for these movies is a tiger who is a a, a mouse friendly cat mm. uh, played by Dom DeLuise lucky that one of the cats was just a massive pussy <laughs> and I could say that because this is a cat yeah but I wonder, do you reckon Tiger shows up far too late in this film? I don't think he appears to like the start of the third act and he's such a like mm. Robin Williams genie character that it feels like He's supposed to be there from the start. And as I said before, he's one of a thousand background characters in this film, but one of the only ones that seem to have an impact and and stay for all the sequels. So who's Dom DeLuise? I don't know. I was hoping you'd know. I was hoping you'd know. Because who's the dad from... Was it a Waverly Place? place? (laughs) Right, right. That's what I thought as well. I've also never watched The Wizards of Waverly Place. I just not... David yeah. Deloise. Yeah, right. They must be. Oh, he's also in. Wait, no. Who's who's Dom Deloise? 
This is like Charles Rogan. This what was is his name? blowing my mind. Who was the guy from Beethoven? I'd never heard uh, of him until um, Beethoven. Uh, uh, George Grodin. Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin, yeah. Because uh, so, I, I see David DeLuise and things, who was also on Megas, Megas XLR, which I, I used to like. But then I keep thinking he's the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he's not. And now I'm even more confused. Which guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Hey, um, David DeLuise is in Beethoven's Treasure Tale. But no um, shit. he plays Teddy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Teddy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine is played by Kyle Bornheimer. Damn. Oh my god, this is this is too much. The, the web keeps spreading. The, oh, the... is David DeLuise the guy from 21 Jump Street? I don't know, dude. I've no, no he's idea. in one episode of 21 Jump Street. <laughs> Who's the other guy from 21 Jump Street that's not Johnny Depp? This is all you, dude. This is your little American tale right now. Yeah, I'm going on a little American tale myself. A little, yeah. an American, um, that's Peter DeLuise <laughs> is in <laughs> 21 Jump Street. <laughs> Are all the DeLuise is related. That's my so question. Peter DeLuise from. 21 Jump Street is the son of Dom DeLuise. Right. David DeLuise. No relation. Is Peter DeLuise's brother. So but also it doesn't Dom say Dom DeLuise's. Oh, no, it does, yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 So they are all related then. There's a whole family of DeLuise's, and then there's just a guy in Brooklyn Nine-Nine who I think kind of looks like one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Cut to credits. Play the... Well, no, play the intro. Ah. Because this was all the cold open. No, it was was not all the cold open. (laughs) We already did one. I'll put it somewhere at the start. Start. No, you have to put it down. No, absolutely not. When did we throw... When else did we throw to it? We didn't. I'll figure it out, or I'll put it at the start. It won't have a cold. No, I think... This is your responsibility, and you're to do it before we get into the movie discussion. Well, we we haven't established these rules enough yet. Yeah, we haven't, so it can go anywhere. Um He's yeah I'm, like what's what's Dom Deloise's big role anyway? Where should I, no I know Dom Deloise from? He has a lot of he's also into me when Um he he has a lot of roles. He had a Dom DeLuise show. Maybe that's why he's a household name, but yeah. Now I'm Googling him. You Google him. Oh, he's died. Now we can't ask him. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, he, he's often identified for his work in the films of Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. Okay. Right. Okay. Mystery solved. I was talking about the the overstuffedness of this of this film, mm. of how many characters there are. It could have been. <laughs> There's more characters than there are bloody Deloises in Hollywood. <laughs> it could have been worse though, as the version of the film that we have is actually a heavily truncated version of the original script, which would have included scenes like the Mouskowitzes journeying across Europe to get to because they get the boat to America from Germany. 
but they live mm-hmm. in Russia. Um, so we would have seen that scene. Um, there's also a scene, about, or there was going to be a scene where Fivel sings a song in a sweatshop. Um, these scenes and many more were cut or replaced because the film had almost half the budget of a Disney equivalent. Uh, Don Bluth convinced his animators to freeze their salaries for 18 months to try and get it done, which Could Bluth thought <laughs> Bluth thought this was worth it in order to work with uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, when tr- oh, trying to Spielberg, yeah, yeah, yeah. When <laughs> trying to, uh, so he had like Bluth Studios, and then he made one called like Sullivan Bluth Studios or something, and he ba- basically like changed companies to make an American tale um, and his new company had a non-union setup and this resulted in an ongoing battle between Bluth and his old company's union who were like you can't just not wow. have you can't just pull everyone out of the union um, and this uh, this battle lasted the duration of the film's production so it sounds mm. like it was just super unpleasant um, I don't think this necessarily implies Don Bluth is anti-union in this specific mm. case though if he is the franchise <laughs> <laughs> if he is it would be very funny because the third film especially um, very pro-union I guess, implicitly. All in all, An American Tale was made on a budget for, of only $9 million. Wow, Fucking that's hell. more than I make in a month. <laughs> and it made $84 million at the box office. Um, however, Don Bluth would end his partnership with Spielberg after this film, so was it worth it? I wonder what he would say about it now. Um, mm. He was not involved with the rest of the American Tale series going forward uh, and went on to make All Dogs Go to Heaven after this, which is a film, Richard, that has sequels. So maybe we'll see um, old Don Bluth return. Wow. And we just like, we get drip fed this tale of uh, Don Bluth throughout the years. I I, I have seen All Dogs Go to Heaven, but again, it's, yeah, like it's not one I'm necessarily nostalgic for. I just know I have seen it. Yeah, same. There's a Christmas special as well, so maybe we'll do it next Christmas. Well, you, you fucking dicks. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, Fivel is seven years old in this one, which would actually make him the oldest age a mouse is usually expected to live to. Mm. The second one's set five years later, so... Determined or not, that, that mouse <laughs> is long dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about regarding the first American Tale film, other than who Dom DeLuise could or could not be, and who's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? No, I'm glad I got that out of the way. <laughs> well, before we head on, it is important to ask the, the age-old question, Richard. Franchise? Uh? Why is An American Tale a franchise? What inspired it to become a franchise? What do you think? Uh, I think the Jewish people needed a win. <laughs> this was it. Mm. There's probably I don't have an exact reason for why it was it was green lit though. I imagine it was. I mean, it made a lot of money. It was it was a classic for a lot of people. Um, but a, a sequel to the film under the working title An American Tale Two was put into pre production by David Kirshner in April 1988 after he finished producing Child's Play. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We've done that franchise. Um, announcing the project <laughs> that same month, he summarized that Fivel will fight the, the cat, cat till barons. It's like a John Ford Western with Jewish mice. Uh, Kirshner started pre-production as Spielberg was setting up for filming, up filming for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wait a minute. We've covered that film. I feel like I'm taking bloody crazy pills. 
You're telling me stuff of names of films I've already heard the names of films of. So Spielberg was attached as executive producer to the film, but he was not involved in the production and post or, or the post production, which leads to the leads to the question: which part was he really involved with, other than just slapping his name on it? He later admitted that he disliked the film. <laughs> I I am curious. Like I think Spielberg must be one of the most slap my name on it executive yeah, producers yeah. I've ever seen. I um. I recently spoke to Alison Williams, the uh, executive producer of um, Megan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you actually do? And she was like, how funny would it be if I said nothing? Mm. And I was like, well, I'm surprised. But um, <laughs> no, she, she's been involved. But like, when we spoke to um, Chris Weitz as well, that the role of an executive producer is so malleable. Yeah, yeah. That it is like, I, I think Spielberg is one that... I mean, it, it, something like Back to the Future, even, it it feels a lot like, I, and I know he was a bit more involved in that, but that felt like a, hey, you're my friend Robert Zemeckis, I believe in this project, chuck my name on it, say it's got my seal of approval, and then that's going to open so many doors for you. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, and I mean, you know, if you've got the, the clout that Spielberg has in Hollywood, mm. go for it, you know, use that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... um. I think that's probably there's that there's that Futurama joke as well when it's one of the characters insists mm. that they they want to be an executive producer and they're like what does that mean and they're like it's just they, a they, they promote Fry to executive delivery boy ah right and he's like it, it does it's just a useless title that people slap on their job title to feel more special and then the executive producer credit pops up on comes screen. up at the same time <laughs> all right an american tale an american tale fievel goes west came out in 1991 this was directed by phil nibblink and simon wells who would go on to direct several oh that makes sense films after this like we're back a dinosaur story mm. Balto <laughs> and the Prince of Egypt oh yeah that makes sense, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes this was also released in theatres uh, which the other two were not yeah what did you ask me sorry <laughs> what does it have on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> um 48 percent it has 57 percent what is an American tale Fievel goes west about it's been five years since they've been in the US. They realize that the US is also a shithole. And so <laughs> they decide to go to the West where everything would be better. Mm. Fievel gets this idea in his head that this dog named Wiley Burp mm-hmm. uh, will, you know, help them out. And then, yeah, they, they, they go West. There's a another fight with cats and shit. And then turns out that this old piece of shit bloodhound is actually wily burp voiced by jimmy stewart in his final role which i'm sure was a fun piece of trivia you had as one of the only things i knew about this franchise going into (laughs) it and then they end up you know saving the day yeah there's a whole subplot you missed where there's like this evil cat voiced by john cleese that is like Mm. secretly wanting to eat all the mice that he's convinced to move out west Uh, it's very convoluted for a for a Mm. for a children's movie my my, um explanation of it wasn't super convoluted but (laughs) (laughs) it is how insane is it that this is the only film that has both 
Jimmy Stewart and Steven Spielberg's names on it. Like the platonic ideal of an actor and the platonic ideal of a director. Mm. Like when you think the Mount Rushmore of actor and the Mount Rushmore of directors, Mm. like it would be fine if it's just like, oh, these two people exist at different times. They never got to work together, but they did work together. They do have their name on one project. Five all goes goes west. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what did you think of it? I, w- I wanted to like it more than I did. I think I, it's again, it's it's pretty fine, like the first one. But it's yeah, and I think I mentioned this last week. But I had such a like clear knowledge of this being the fourth one for some reason, and I and I just thought it was an American mm. Tale two sequels that I didn't know what they were called, probably just two and three, and then an American Tale Fireball Goes West for the fourth one. And I probably assumed this was straight to video, and that, yeah, that you yeah. know all the sequels were. But yeah, this the, this franchise probably has the the interesting distinction of like, I actually can't even remember the names of the other two. Like, <laughs> that is, not, like is we that make a distinction, a point, is it? <laughs> we make a point of like quite often, and someone's pointed out this out to me before, but we rather than just being like oh in fireball goes west or in you know the second one, we will always be like in an American tale, fireball goes west. We we like to say the full name of a film yeah yeah i'm gonna struggle to for the the mystery and the i think so without looking at them it's the treasure of manhattan island and the mystery of the night monster i think yeah (laughs) but i do have the benefit of having written this report so yeah but you know i mean final goes west i feel like is such an iconic subtitle it, it it's like the uh sister act two back in the habit or mm. electric boogaloo well, break, break into electric boogaloo yeah because because it, it is like this this thing of like why is the second one a western <laughs> like yeah yeah but, well i mean you forget though that like yeah when in the old west on the other side of the country in the old mm. east was just mm. <laughs> like old new york <laughs> yeah james stewart's very fun Mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart. I mean, he's got one of the most fun voices to do. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a dog now. Even though, even though he is very clearly like an aging James Stewart, <laughs> he's um and a lot slower and less hmm. kind of joyful from his um It's a Wonderful Life days. Hmm. He's still fun. He's still got a very fun cadence. Yeah. So as you said, this was his final uh, film role before his death in 1997, so six years later. And, I, you know, I wasn't particularly wowed by this film. I feel very similar to you. Uh, but Stuart's character says some really touching words at the end of the film, which I've written down here. Um, five and he tells forms him, them together into a sentence. <laughs> and it sounds a little something like this uh, Fivel tells him I'm not a hero like you they're like sitting looking out at the sunset um, across the old west and he says I'm not a hero like you well no not really and uh, Jimmy Stewart as Wiley replies well maybe not maybe a real hero is the last one to hear about it and he goes on to say just remember Fivel, one man's sunset is another man's dawn I don't know what's out there beyond those hills but if you ride yonder head up eyes eyes steady heart open I think one day you'll find that you're the hero you've been looking for what a wow. final performance like what that's just the final thing James Stewart <laughs> said in a movie you know, it's this really beautiful, yeah. eloquent thing. It reminded me of, like, your uh, thing with Robin Williams 
at the end of Night at the Museum, how he has this mm. like really touching moment that's in Night at the Museum 3 of all the different mm. movies that he's been in. But then the final lines he delivered um, were from that Absolutely Anything movie. Oh, yeah. Which also <laughs> starred John Cleese. Ah, well, world. John Cleese. Yeah, John Cleese was um, paid his lowest fee in 10 years for his wow. role as the like cat capitalist, whatever his name is, uh, which made him very unwilling to publicize his involvement with the film. But I'd bet a lot of money that his fees are a lot lower these days <laughs> with all the straight DVD mm. garbage and things that he's in. Um, this is actually the 14th film we've seen slash heard uh john cleese being for the podcast the last time i updated you on the stat was in the harry potter episodes because he played mm. uh, nearly headless nick in the first two films but in case you've forgotten we have also seen or heard john cleese in shrek two to four uh the world is not enough and die another day george of the jungle one and two the 1994 live action jungle book the great muppet caper and beethoven's christmas adventure um, Beethoven and Christmas common themes in this episode. Um, I've just I've just found a, a little article that's clearly been um, uh, translated. It was clearly written in a different language, and um, it's French and translated to English. Mm-hmm. But um, it says apparently that um, yes, Steven Spielberg met Jimmy Stewart at a party and asked him if he could play uh, Wiley Burp in this film, and Jimmy Stewart agreed on the one condition that Spielberg would direct his days in the vocal booth um and that happened yeah uh no it didn't um he just couldn't oh. do it um people couldn't do it and and jimmy stewart i guess just did it anyway <laughs> oh i read that he did do it interesting oh, wow. um anyway i i think uh this is a cool idea for a sequel. And I think it's very natural to be like, well, the first one was on the East Coast. Uh, let's go to the West Coast because both had sort of these iconic 1800s, late 1800s um, settings. Um, I do think it's funny that essentially the same thing happens at the fir- as what happens at the first one, though. Like he gets, Fievel just gets knocked off a train instead of a boat. And like, <laughs> oh, but in this one, they're like, hey, don't worry. We were sad last time because he thought he was dead. Like, is, like Papa Mal- it's literally like yeah. don't worry he'll find us again just like he did last time and now he's instead of like just the streets of new york where there's plenty of supplies he's in the middle of a desert where he's just gonna <laughs> fucking to death. but for some reason papa's like nah he can do it it's, it's fine well, i guess he's yeah. right because he does find them again yeah, yeah of course it's bloody final he'll be fine <laughs> it's fucking fival dude <laughs> it's um, fucking fival <laughs> So while critically this film didn't do too well at the time, it has gone on to develop a cult following. I think plenty of people see this as the best film in the franchise now. Um, It it was on a bunch of uh, lists of like best westerns or some shit I was reading, Mm. which is really funny. Best westerns available on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, I liked that it begins with Papa Mouskowitz, who was so hyped to go to America at the start of the first one. Now he seems very disillusioned with america he he the film doesn't like does delve into the mice characters being deceived and exploited by the capitalist cat but it doesn't quite follow through on papa's arc here but it was still i guess pleasant that these films aren't just fluffy pro americana look how look how cool america is like this film and the third film especially acknowledge that the american dream is somewhat unachievable for the working mouse you know like it's not 
and it's like it's like how captain america the winter soldier was like what would it actually mean to be captain america you know and Mm. and it's not shying away from the the true hypocrisies of america and it's it's even in a movie from 1991 it's not like they're trying to be like it's the greatest country in the world and i really appreciate american media that can be self-critical like that Mm yeah it is, yeah it is funny that it's like you realize like wow people were critical of america it's like of course they were <laughs> <laughs> in, in 1991 and apparently 1887 wherever this was said <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to mention before we head into dumb imdb trivia for five or go uh it might be in the dumb imdb trivia but did, did you come across the yeah, hidden penis the hidden penis let's talk about the hidden penis <laughs> my window is open uh but it's sunday so the kindergarten is out of session thank god <laughs> it, it, it's just sunday school the really religious kids <laughs> <laughs> yep so this is um directly from uh imdb trivia section though undetected for decades there is a quote penis doodle <laughs> in this film. have you seen the penis doodle i've seen the penis doodle it is visible in the dvd and vhs versions at the 46 20 minute mark 46 minute 20 second mark of the film when tanya who is uh Fievel's older sister is mm, singing dreams Fievel. dreams to dream which is the uh somewhere out there of Fievel goes west dreams a penis to dream a penis doodle appears and appears has an apostrophe before the s bafflingly even though it's it belongs it's just a to word <laughs> uh, it appears in front of her face for one frame it is very obvious that when the animator was tracing tanya from the animation page on paper onto the cell paper he messed up her nose muscle and mouse teeth turning the cell paper on backwards to retrace her without clearing the mistake as the mark was in ink didn't bother discarding the cell paper due to product expenses leaving this unintentional easter egg looked like such However, it removed from Blu-ray release. Yeah, so dumb IMDb trivia I forgot to mention. It's all terribly written. And the mm-hmm. IMDb pages for the American Tale series are just indecipherable. <laughs> um, but yeah, what is what it is, you should you can find this on YouTube pretty easily. And it's it's pretty like full on. Like as far as like It's got a head, it's shaking. Yeah, it's and it's like positioned to enter Tanya's mouth, like it's while she's mid like sing. It's only for a frame, and you you won't see it if you're just watching it. But the um, mm. yeah, gross. Also, I like the term penis doodle. Padoodle. You should hide the penis doodle on the thumbnail for this episode. Okay, I can do that. I can put it right in front of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, also on the IMDb trivia for this uh, movie, owing to creative differences, Don Bluth parted ways with Steven Spielberg, whom he had directed the original Fievel and the New World in 1986. Uh, IMDb insists on calling an American tale Fievel and the New World for some reason. Oh, wow. It's weird. Um, as, Is that as what it's called in a different place maybe but like that's not like a chick (laughs) or maybe it's a working title so yeah um he directed the original fievel and the new world as well as the first of 13 land before time films with no bluth in sight for the sequel spielberg instead relied on phil nibelink a former disney animator and simon wells the grandson of science fiction author hg wells to direct (laughs) the project so fievel goes west as part of the hg wells legacy (laughs) (laughs) Also known, Fievel et Novus Mundus. That sounds right. 
Fireball in the New World and Australia. Oh. Maybe, maybe it's like a region. And a Belgium region and Canada. Do you think it's a better title? Uh, no. Well, I, I presume we have a title. Yeah, we can talk about titles coming. later on. Sure thing. Uh, but before that, Richard, let's discuss an American tale, The Treasure of Manhattan Island from 1998. So this is a while, while later, uh, straight to DVD, directed by Larry Latham, um, who, as far as I could see, directed the the fourth one as well. That's about it. Wow. This does not have a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, as is tradition, uh, <laughs> but it does have 31% audience score. Not that that really matters. What is an American tale, The Treasure of Manhattan Island, about? Uh, I, I don't want to take away t- saying what this is about from you. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, and before I'll get into the, the, the juicy stuff, because this well, is... I, I, well, okay, I'll do the boring shit then. It's... Okay. Oh, there's some fucking treasure map. They find a treasure map. This dead mouse is just clutching in his (laughs) cold, dead hands. And as if it was a gun from Charlton Heston, they take it Mm. from from the the mouse. And yeah, apparently there's a big treasure underneath Manhattan. And so that's the kind of driving force for Fievel's story. The treasure ends up being... The treasure was the friends they made along the way. Sort of. It's the lost (laughs) tribe of uh, Native American mice that Mm. um, they they then become... Which which early on in the film they say, which we mistakenly call Indians. And then they just call them Indians for the rest of the film. They just call them Indians. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before we get into what is one of the most interesting straight-to-DVD animated movies I think we've ever covered on the podcast, uh, I do want to address the jaw-dropping addition to the canon that this film puts forward, which is the right-for-podcast discussion reveal that Five All Goes West was a dream. He dreamt it. <laughs> it was a dream that Fievel had. How many other podcasts in the world do you think have covered the American Tale movies? Could Col- could this be a Colt Popture exclusive that <laughs> one of the movies isn't actually canon? So for, for those who haven't seen it, right at the start, we're, we're back in New York again. And it's like, oh, that's interesting because mm. the last film ended in, in Colorado. Uh, and they the Mouskowitzes are being served breakfast and Fievel comes out and is like, I dreamt I was a guy gunslinger in the old west and they're like sure yeah like that'll ever happen and then it's like huh <laughs> so the whole thing is written off as a dream sequence um and when i was looking up the wikipedia list for prequels last week because the genre i got given for my one dollar genre short film uh, where i make a short film every month uh this uh month is prequel so i was looking up other prequels i did spy an american tale three and four on that list and i thought Oh, interesting. Um, I hadn't seen them yet, and both take place in New York, so I was like, makes sense that that'd be a prequel to Five All Goes West. Um, and even on the Wikipedia page for Five All Goes West, there's a, there's a paragraph dedicated to this whole thing, which reads, A piece of dialogue from Five All and the former appears to retcon Five All Goes West as a dream the character had. But many fans would prefer to see both director video films as prequels that take place before Five All Goes West, with the dialogue being taken as foreshadowing. Well, no, so do you know what actually is interesting? So the order of the films goes one... This is my theory. Goes one four two three because four ends with him going to sleep 
and they right. say sweet Ooh. dreams Fivel. <laughs> and then he dreams Fivel goes wow. west and then it. wakes up and experiences the third one. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, like I don't care what what fans would rather believe and I'm sorry uh <laughs> This is canon. This is what do you want me to say? It's not my fault. It's canon. The the word prequel is dotted all over the Wikipedia page for Treasure of Manhattan Island. It's categorized as both an American prequel film and a director video prequel. Um, and one of the random sentences under the release section reads, This prequel premiered in the United Kingdom on November <laughs> 1998. And look, I'm sorry to all the Five or Goes West heads out there, but this really just looks like desperate retconning from fans who really like no 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 it's it, it's just it, like it's you can't change canon because you don't like it five or goes west was a dream it's it's not in the canon it didn't happen no. <laughs> i just think that's that's like the craziest thing i've seen in one of like it like the relationship between like a lesser sequel and its original it's like it didn't happen it's not real <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this film before we get into the meat and potatoes of it i really liked how apolitical it was yeah it's just there's just no a real good villain kid story. there's just people just trying to do their jobs you know yeah yeah <laughs> look i'm not here to reveal that this film is an underrated gem or that it needs a cultural reevaluation, or that i even particularly liked it it's still a cheap straight to video sequel at the end of the day however man this has got to be the most politically enlightened animated movie we've ever watched for the podcast <laughs> and it came out 24 years ago it's like, crazy is... that people still had unions back then <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen it everyone check out this film is nuts um it literally shows a like echelon of bourgeoisie mice um elite exploiting and underpaying the working mice for their labor and then when the working class they catch on and they start demanding their fair wage the wealthy mice insist that this is all actually the fault of the uh, north the native american mice so they're literally like blaming mm. quote-unquote foreigners they're not foreigners but uh, um and a citywide manhunt or mouse hunt <laughs> uh, begins for the native american mouse whom the mouskowitzes have taken under their wing um on top of this papa mouskowitz is once again depicted as having an absolutely shithouse time in america like <laughs> he hates it, right he, he hates his job he hates the mouse he's become he's having to lick the boots of the wealthy mice elite and he looks depressed all the time he even explains at one point during the hunt for the uh, Native American mouse that violence like this was why he left Russia mm. uh, Fivel also has his own moment of disillusion when, when they find the Native American mouse tribe underground and he grapples with the fact that the country was colonised and stolen from the Native American mice um, and there's also a scene where uh, uh, they throw tomatoes at a cop mouse like it is so crazy like you know I'm not blind to like these political mm. ideas being prevalent for you know hundreds of years but like mm. to see them feel so relevant and so pertinent in a a movie from 1998 a straight to dvd children's movie mm. from 1998 is bananas the the movie yeah. ends with um Fievel's papa forming a workers union and the villains agreeing amongst themselves that they're forced to negotiate with quote the riffraff to avoid a strike this movie talks about strikes um and these themes are so mature and for what 
I reckon less than 500 adults in the world have seen this movie. <laughs> the rest of its audience is like little children that they, they put the movie on and leave the room, you know? Like, That's it's so an weird. insane call to make. <laughs> I, was, I was being hyperbolic. But I do think this, I, I'm inspired to make a um, letterboxed list for this of like straight to DVD sequels that have more to offer than what you might expect. And I'd mm. chuck... Um, Beethoven's Big Break on there as well as the other one that mm. I always think about being like, this didn't need to be as like thought out mm. as it is. The, the, you know? Beethoven didn't need to go that hard, but it did for <laughs> us. It didn't need to serve so much canto. But um, yeah, it is. It is crazy. I mean, if anything, it's it's depressing that these things are still so. <laughs> Yeah, pertinent. right. Yeah, American Tale Three didn't change the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the fact that like, you know, you should be able to watch a movie from 24 years ago and go, thank God we don't have to deal with those issues anymore. Right. No, totally. But they're worse. Yeah, exactly. I, but yeah, just... it is funny, like, um, like on the scale of like what upsets Papa Mouskowitz, it's like your son dying twice or having to work a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think I think it's wild that this film goes borderline like communist like theory. Mm. Like we have nothing to lose but our mouse traps. Uh, Robert Party from the TV Guide uh, of all reviews to, to pull for this film. He gave the film um, two out of five stars and wrote, "Although the bright and bubbly animation lacks depth, these cute little vermin have just enough personality to make Tykes unaware that they're being spoon-fed ethnic harmony aphorisms." An aphorism is a pity observation which contains a general truth, which is a very white man way to describe, like, colonization. So, like, <laughs> I hate, like, pretentious uh, movie, like, reviews TV, like that. TV guide reviews for yeah. straight-to-DVD children's films. Um, so the, the, the writer of this film, just fun fact, uh, also wrote The Land Before Time 7, The Stone of Cold Fire. Mm. which is one that i weirdly remember is that one with aliens in it yes i yeah. believe so yeah that was it was a media right yeah there's like a- alien dinosaurs in it <laughs> yeah grace montgomery of common sense media have you heard of common sense media <laughs> is this like a um like for parents don't teach your kids about certain yeah. things yeah yeah, yeah. um the, the, so Grace Montgomery of Common Sense Media felt that the politically sensitive elements depicted in the film are out of place for an American tale and recommended that your kids would be better off to stick with the original in American tale and skip this one. So a lot of people did not like this confronting message that was put <laughs> in this. This It's like a Trojan horse, man. Like, yeah. I, it is it is crazy that this, like... It feels like there was, like, a, a coordinated effort to, to put this, like... Uh, socialist message into a kid's Mm. film, you know? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
maybe they'll grow up with the instilled with these beliefs. Some would call it brainwashing. <laughs> I agree with the message. I would not. <laughs> um, I'm still just looking at Lynn Early's um, IMDb page who wrote the film. So his first writing credit is from 1976 um, for mm. Holmes and Yo-Yo. Uh, which is a TV series, but then from nineteen and then didn't do anything until nineteen eighty eight when he wrote the New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh TV series. There's some credits on that, and then when he's worked pretty steadily until like this year, he's still working. Wow. Um, he's must be old as fuck. Um, <laughs> but he's yeah, he wrote Octonauts Above and Beyond, the Veggie Tales show from this year. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, good on him. Like, Common Sense Media know. must love Veggie Tales, eh? Oh yeah, they, yeah. Pro- well, they probably not, have not no the, notes. Not the two episodes he wrote um, this year: <laughs> Larry Boy and the Menacing Mushroom, and Larry Boy and Awful Alvin's Grudge. Dude, Larry Boy was some of the best VeggieTales episodes. Really, Larry Boy, Larry Boy episodes rock. <laughs> <laughs> the first VeggieTales I ever saw when I was a kid was Larry Boy and the Fib from Outer Space. What? Who, who, who's Larry Boy for? Um... Well, Larry the Cucumber is the cucumber who hosts yeah. the show. And Larry Boy is like his Bartman-esque superhero uh, alter ego. But not as edgy, of course. No. <laughs> it's more of a Batman-esque, I guess, but he looks like Bartman. So yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I've got some more dumb IMDb trivia for this film, Richard. Um, this is from uh, the IMDb trivia section for Treasure of Manhattan Island. Tony, who's one of the... the who's like Fievel's best friend who he meets in the first film and then is conspicuously absent from Fievel Goes West. Uh, Tony pursuing the very young Lenape, I think that's the tribe name, uh, Princess Chilena, which is the Native American Indian mouse character. Um, So I'll start the sentence again now that I've provided enough context. (laughs) Tony pursuing the very young Lenape Princess Chalena, while his real girlfriend Bridget was quietly withdrawn from this film, was often questioned by fans. According to history, men were often womanized by indigenous women stereotypes, except Chalena appears to be a young girl mouse masquerading as an indigenous maiden. Despite this is infidelity to the point Bridget's withdrawal and silence from this film, while this was illustrated, owes to the presence of the then child actor Thomas Decker, who was victimized when he was much younger. Despite being unseen, Bridget was quietly hinted at uh, by Little Fievel's angry look toward Tony while witnessing his infidelity. What a salad that is. What a. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. It's all written like this, where you've forgotten the start of the sentence by the yeah, time yeah, you get yeah. to the end of the sentence. <laughs> Another piece um, related to that. Many fans have taken the sequence where Tony blushes after being kissed on the cheek by Chilena as an unexpected romantic sequence. As a result from history, the skin colour is attributed to blushing because of being kissed by women, except Chilena is a young girl and is not a romantic kiss, though Tony took it as such. But it's more a thank you kiss after being rescued. This was also used on Peter Pan 1953. During production, it would not be used on Fievel since he's too innocent and is voiced by an actual child actor what do you think of that it's pretty dumb Hmm. Uh, and last piece of dumb IMDb trivia and another dramatic plot twist for a franchise that I would have thought would have had very little to talk about going in Mm. Um, director Larry Latham believed it was the decision of upper management to nullify an American tale Fievel Goes West as a dream reference so people would be quote free to reconstruct any mythology in any order this decision was later changed for, for an American tale The Mystery of the Night Monster eliminating every character and elements as replaced 
replacing them with new ones due to political reasons. Wow. So if you could make sense of any of that, isn't that surprising? Yeah. Um, according to Wikipedia... Those late the- Clinton years, they um, <laughs> changed it. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, following a six-year hiatus for the an American Tale series, Universal kicked off a fifteen million dollar marketing campaign to reignite interest in the franchise with re-releases of the first two films leading up to the release of this one, with the fourth installment scheduled for the following June. The mandate for the series, as dictated by the then president of Universal Worldwide Home Entertainment, Louis Fiola, was quote to create the same value and success for an American tale as the studio did with the land before time apparently though this film was so poorly received that they halted the plan to give the series 1000 sequels uh, which is crazy because i think this is the best american tale movie well it's, mm. it's kind of is i don't think any franchise needs a thousand sequels though <laughs> but isn't, isn't that interesting that that i could so see there being 13 american tale sequels oh absolutely yeah yeah you know like yeah. it just it, it reeks of it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah the especially the more the next one than this one but they um it starts to feel like I remember specifically Land Before Time, the great day of the flyers, I think mm-hmm. it was. That was like this just feels like a long episode of a TV show. Totally. That would yeah. be you know, there'd be fifteen thousand episodes of. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And it's like, yeah, at a certain point, I don't mind that a franchise like this starts to feel like that. They don't need to all have political uprisings. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there's still plenty of subtext and the mystery of the night monster Mm -hmm. but they yeah it's 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 just a it's even harder to put to my put my finger on maybe it's like stakes being low or just the way that the it's very it's it's, i think um the day of the flyers feels like a gimmicky bottle episode concept i think Mm, that's what it is yeah an American Tale, The Mystery of the Night Monster came out the next year in 1999, also directed by Larry Latham. No critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, but this one does have a 40% uh, critic score, putting it above uh, its superior, seek, uh, the third film, Treasure of Manhattan Island. What is this film about? You said that there's still subtext. I would love to hear what that is. <laughs> well, you know, this one's all about um, fake news. Yeah, right. I, th- I did write that down. That that's If I'm grasping at something, that's yeah, what I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's certainly um, not as, like, heavy. Yeah, it's not as heavy, but it's it's about, um, you know, truth to power, freedom of press. Hmm. We hmm. can, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, what 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 is it about plot to beat, plot beat to plot beat? Well, I can't go through every plot, plot <laughs> beat. I'm, we'll be here for bloody hours. But I, yeah, it's about this... They the yeah, they get involved in like the the newspaper, and then there these mice keep on disappearing in holes all over New York City at night, and then Fivel imagines this massive cat on fire that must be <laughs> gobbling them all up because mm. it has a mousetrap for a tongue, and mm. then it turns out it's just this dog that's just been a cunt this poodle yeah mm. and yeah so five joins forces with like a journalist um yeah a tiger's been in all of these by the way he's just such an unnotable yeah. character well, he, he becomes a cop at the in the last one doesn't he <laughs> but then isn't one at the start of this mm. because it's set before 
He got- you were so right. That's such a good theory. I thought this was a bit of a letdown. People in the Discord were saying how like, oh, is this going to be a Gold Star franchise where all of them... Yeah, a Gold Star denotes there's no weak one. I'm mm. sorry, I think this is the weakest one. I think this mm. lets it down. I think... Um, it's not by much. It's not a... You know. Well... I, it's, not uh, a, well it's not a fall from grace. Right. I mean, after the potent, potent political themes of the third mm. film, I was looking forward to seeing what was here. And while, yeah, there is stuff you in really, there. Were you really? Were I you really like, was, Richard. It's the same director. Why wouldn't it be? The same writer as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but well, it's just like, it, like, I feel like it's a lot to ask for an American tale to do that twice. <laughs> I didn't ask for it once. It gave it to me <laughs> without yeah. me asking for without me expecting it. Um, Who's asking I, for this? Who's asking <laughs> for a political American tale three? Um, I think its message is less about any sort of, you know, truth to power, though. And it's more like, don't be scared of the dark, kids. Monsters aren't real. Mm. Don't worry. Dangerous message to teach kids. If you've seen the previous one, monsters are real. And they're mm. Mr. and Mrs. The Moneybags yeah, in, yeah. in the in the White House, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, Michael bloody Shine- Clintons. <laughs> Michael Sheinfeld of Common Sense Media had something to say about this film. <laughs> he gave it a a positive review compared it to compared to the previous installment describing it as a mystery with spunk courage and heart mm. there's not too That's, much spunk in it though because then it probably wouldn't be appropriate pregnant. for children <laughs> there there's music in all of these movies they're all musicals um and while uh other than somewhere well, out they, they, there they, they say they're all musicals they all have like one song in them or one or two this songs one, this one is three yeah, three is one or two <laughs> It's one and two. (laughs) Other than somewhere out there and to a much lesser extent, no cats in America. I don't think any of the songs uh, are particularly notable. Um, Mm. They're not bad. They're just like, well, whatever. But except for this one where the songs fucking suck. I thought the songs sucked in this right, one. Right, okay. I was like, shit, where is he going with this? <laughs> the last song, especially in this movie, is called Who Will? And it's like this awful early all, all 90s... All the other songs are like a little bit called Who Will, but this one's especially called Who Will. <laughs> Stop picking on me and pick on the films. <laughs> This is like an awful early 90s saccharine ballad they sing to a wolf to try and convince him to join their fight for freedom or whatever it is. It just sucks. I'm going to play a little segment of it here. It's like... You don't help your friends when they need befriending. Who will? When nothing goes right and everything's wrong. When the days are too cold and the nights are too you won't be there to stand and be strong who will you gotta be tough and forthright and square you can't hide your head and pretend you're not there if we don't fight for what's right and what's fair who will everyone It's the most boring sounding yeah, type I don't of remember. It's no, it's no, um, I do believe in Christmas. It's not no. that kind of bad. No, exactly. Uh, Richard, and how, it is how Christmas about... time, and I do believe in Christmas. I believe in love. 
thank you. Well, how about we pour ourselves a nice cup of peppermint cocoa, peppermint hot chocolate, Ooh. or perhaps an eggnog, and let's settle down by the warm, toasty fireplace in the problematic corner. Mm, I'm actually all good. I've... Okay. I'll just have some water. Okay. Ooh, I bet this didn't age well. Let's get a laugh at someone else's expense. I have to warn you, this might get obscene. This the problematic corner where ain't nothing PC. Well, welcome to Problematic Corner, where we discuss things in this movie that haven't aged well. And this maybe can act as a problematic corner for the whole series because it does have kind of a horrible <laughs> relationship with like ethnic stereotypes and things. Mm. Um, in Five All Goes West, there's a bunch of Native American mice that. Um, don't belong in the film and yeah, yeah right <laughs> totally it, it, it's problematic because it's like ugh. <laughs> yeah it's a it's Minorities. a, a non-sequitur <laughs> yeah um and they they declare that tiger is their god in the um then the uh treasure of manhattan island as you know wonderful as some of its stuff in it is uh there's also you know it's still uh robert carradine is playing a native american mouse etc etc mm, and he jerked himself to death yeah uh, well, he didn't do no, that. That's David Carradine. No, it is David Carradine then. It's the one oh, that okay, jerked right, himself yeah. to death. Yeah. <laughs> he got what was coming to him after his <laughs> cultural appropriation. Um, and in this film, uh, it, the, all of the like goodwill from the previous film is just really squandered with mm. a really rough depiction of a Chinese mouse family, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> which it's just it's so bad it, she's clearly voiced by a, a white actress and she has like this broken english accent very um, um replacing conspicuous L's with R's. That LR yeah here. yeah and it's like the lr switch which i think she only says one word that that's switched on but it just made me go like oh god you you nearly scraped by with just this being like a little bit like mm, but just that really funny accent, <laughs> but it just it's so bad and it's so it would be so easy to not depict this and like we're laughing and maybe we shouldn't be laughing but but the 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 thing i think that that bummed me out the more i thought about it was that like there's probably like Chinese kids who who really love the American Tale movies and they chuck them on because they're fans of the little mouse, the little five old mouse, That's and then they, they get in China, <laughs> little five old mouse, <laughs> yeah, and then they get to that scene and I, you must just feel so like backstabbed by the mm. the, the people telling your stories, you know. Yeah. And that's um. That's the horrific tale of American. T that that's the real American tale. Wow, it's like yeah. horrific cultural That actually really makes you think. <laughs> I've got some more dumb IMDb trivia for from the like just indecipherable sections of un of IMDb trivia sections for the the series. Following the strict changes for this movie, background settings were redone, including the wall of the Mouskowitz's home, such as one of the pictures, like the large mouse swimming toward a woman, showing only her bare shoulders, implying she's nude as shown in an American tale, The Treasure of Manhattan Island. It is removed from the wall due to being referenced to bestiality, if not detected and censored out from the previous movie. You had a fucking dick 
doodle in one of them. Yeah, I think we can have the, Im- the implication that someone's been uh, drawn naked. <laughs> yeah, well, I think common sense uh, media would not like that. Yeah, what do they have to say about it? Um, Dumb IMDb trivia continues with Bridget was still grounded from appearing in this film, not only due to her act- actress's illness of cancer, but also due to the racist art, including the redskin blushing technique given to Tony Tapone um, in an American tale, The Treasure of Manhattan Island, while then child actor Thomas Decker was present. Tony's appearance became strictly professional, meaning he's grounded from falling for anyone else. I'm I'm gathering scraps of what this is talking about. (laughs) Mm. I think maybe there's a scene where the Native American mouse kisses Tony on the cheek and he blushes, and maybe that was seen as like a racist, no, like a racist thing because his skin turns red. Right, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it's saying, but it feels like it's referencing a controversy that I couldn't find information on anywhere yeah, else. Yeah. And that's what I'm picking up on. And oh. then it also says that he's professional in this film, Tony is, meaning he's grounded from falling for anyone else. The word grounded is used multiple times in this piece of trivia, uh, and I don't know what it's it, meaning. It, it by seems that. like it's a translation error because it's like grounded as in like forbidden. Mm. Mm. unable to or absent like, maybe because mm. bridget was still grounded from appearing in the film i think yeah, they, yeah, oh, it'd be like, bridget played the, the native american mouse i think and she did die of cancer so maybe that's what it is oh she's in she's in the ground she's literally six feet under oh <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to say about um this movie or this franchise before we start the the american title i want to talk about down towards titles well we can't talk about titles richard because we talk about titles a lot on this podcast firstly what do you think of five all in the new world oh uh, it's cute i mean yeah it, 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 it always seems ambitious to put a character's name in the title mm. of like the first film mm. well yeah i agree i think as well um the only other thing i would note is like night monster is a crazy spooky thing to put in your title for for your children's film <laughs> yeah yeah like just introducing to kids that there's a concept of the night monster yeah, yeah um, but exactly. do you remember a discussion we had about the american tale franchise it's written down i got in trouble um i don't know when it was i feel like it was neither i can't remember if it was in person or like if like if we were talking if it was over text or what it was on pod that i said it and then um stran cole one of our listeners messaged me or commented somewhere i think maybe in the discord saying how insane of a take i had on this thing so yeah, yeah This the story is is at some point in the past on the podcast I mistook an American tale the title we were talking about it for some reason and I mistook it being T A L E not T A I L because because your your it might have been during Barbie and a Mermaid Tale right and the and um but you were like because Mermaid Tale is just T A L E is it I don't know. Um, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> yeah, scary, yeah. So. Barbie and a Mermaid Tale is T A L E, and we I think we had a discussion about that. And then you said, like, an American tale is not a pun. And then, and it was like, what? And then there was this big discussion, and you argued this whole thing about how an American tale isn't a pun title. And then eventually, I remember being like, AJ, American tale is spelled T A I L. And you were like, oh, is it? Okay, then it's a pun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my issue with it is is that mice aren't the only fucking animals that have tails 
Like it's not yeah. an, an attribute specific to mice, so you can't. Why you? Yeah, well, Al Woods isn't the only person who's blonde. <laughs> what a crap! I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess, like when I, if you were to ask me, like, what's the most noticeable feature on a mouse, I, I would, would probably say the, say the, I'd say the ears. Well, you're insane. I don't even know what to I'm say. I'm not to insane. That. Whatever. The ears are way more iconic on a mouse than the tail. No, disagree. Hard disagree. You do not. You do not disagree. I do. What do you mean? Why do you think a tail is more iconic on a mouse? You ask me to draw a mouse, I'm going to draw a tail before I draw the ears. I don't believe you. Unless I'm drawing specifically Mickey Mouse. If I was to draw, if if you said you you have four seconds, draw a mouse, I would make sure I had the tail before I made sure I had ears. I think we're going to have to turn to the Discord for this and see what they think about it. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> you've got four seconds, draw a mouse. <laughs> no, you've got two seconds, draw a mouse. See what, see what you get. You're getting, with me, you're getting like an oval and a, and a line to represent a the tail. Right, okay, fine. In terms of like slapdash, I, th- I think what that's more communicating is the size of the mouse, not the tail specifically. If you had one second, you'd just draw an oval. Well, no, but I, th- I think the tail is so important for the imagery of a mouse t- because the tail is such an important part of it and an important part of the line of it, uh, mm. and like okay. the, the silhouette of it. I'm sorry, AJ. Okay. I'm, I'm not just being a dick. I do genuinely think that a tail is a more important part of a mouse than the ears. Let's when, try- if we're talking mouse iconography. Let's try not Mickey okay. Mouse. I want to make I'm gonna, not I'm going to name Mouse. an animal and you're going to name what everyone would probably say its most iconic feature Okay. Is. Okay. A giraffe. Nick. A lion. Mane. Okay. Um, a um, cow. Udders. I would have accepted horns or udders. Yeah. Horns? I, 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 I agree it's, it's udder, but I was, th- to be honest, I was trying to think of a horned animal and and so that you would say horns and right. ended up mentioning an animal I was because I was going to say the like the pattern on the cow right okay no that's an acceptable answer as well I th- I think no, going, mice um well I don't necessarily have answers for all of them is that okay yeah it's sure. more of like what are you gonna say as opposed mm. to what I'm expecting you to say uh, a crocodile a crocodile is just general shape yeah I right like. or like the the flatness yeah yeah and um, color, or te- the teeth maybe the, the yeah I was gonna say snoot. teeth yeah yeah, mm. the, yeah I guess the snout which is just the part of the general shape yeah mm. um uh an antelope the <sighs> antelope have horns right or have like uh, um, antlers antlers yeah Antel- I was going for antlers <laughs> yeah because when I pictured yeah. an antelope I pictured like the slender legs used for running. <laughs> But then because there's like a few different animals that kind of have that general body mm. of an antelope. And I was trying to remember if, an- I mean, they are called anter- ant- antler lopes. So they, <laughs> it should make sense they have antlers. But yeah. What's the other ones that don't have antlers that look like antelope? I don't know. Well, Richard, <laughs> what if I told you all of those animals that I that we just mentioned also have tails? Yeah, but they're not as iconic as mouses. Is is that what you were trying to do? Is that is that your big point? That these things have tails? 
I'm saying that if you're going to make your film title a pun reflecting the central animal, it should be... Yeah, you pick an animal that you think, okay, uh, you know, you play this little game that you've invented with someone, you pick an animal that they go tail as the answer to that. You proved my point. No, I guess I guess that is what I'm saying, but I disagree that tail is more iconic than Big Mouse ears. Okay, well let's play. Okay, elephant ears or trunk. I guess ears. <laughs> I, I'm just ears. <laughs> I'm just so attracted to ears. I'm so fixated <laughs> on ears. Like. Ears. That is insane. <laughs> that is certified. You lost all. Do you think that like if this would be if this was an elephant, it would be called an American ears or an American no, trunk? No, it'd be called an American trunk. Yeah. I was I was fl- flummoxed because we were saying ears so much. And rhino. Then you said, then, horn. There you go. That's you think horn. You think fucking rhino. Hippo. I don't think you think tail when you see Hippo. mouse. Hippo. I don't think people Hippo. think that. Hippo. I don't know the big fucking mouth. <laughs> the big, the big uh, panda, pubic teeth. Panda. The eye spots. Cat. Um, tail. I I feel Fur? like cat has whiskers. Ah, oh, yeah, but but yeah, maybe. Dog. Hmm. A tongue, maybe, or sn- snout, nose. These animals are too Mouse. broad. They have. Mouse. That's why. That's why cats and dogs are ears. No, so. you took too long uh, to think it's tail. <laughs> this is why <laughs> it is tail. <laughs> Just snake. Uh, snake. Uh, I will give you. Snake is almost entirely tail. <laughs> <laughs> I think cats and dogs, they've become the most popular pets because they just have no, like, like uh, commanding feature as opposed to other Yeah, animals. but it is funny, though, that, like, dogs have whiskers, but I feel like mm. cats so iconically have whiskers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ears well, I didn't think we were going to talk about... I said it by... You're not allowed to hold that over me because it was. I said it by accident. No, but the, the whole point of the game is what's the first thing that comes to your mind? All right, What fine. the fuck I, is going I, on upstairs so in AJ's head that he doesn't just go, trunk? I'll tell you what was going on. I didn't want to, but I wanted to move on. But now I will tell you. I was in the middle of talking about ears. Then you said elephant, and I thought, ah, oh, the... The, an elephant is often compared to to a, to a mouse, you know, like in cartoons and stuff, right? Like they're they're <laughs> right. like it's like a big mouse. It's like a big mouse. You and could so have just like, said Dumbo or something, but instead you're like, well, you know how elephants are often compared to mice. I was just being honest, Richard. What more do you want from me? I you want you to I uh, to admit that mice have tails. <laughs> That's, I will never. That's the argument. <laughs> I will never do it. Alrighty. Uh, Sound off in the comments. <laughs> we also um, should we do meeting of the elders now? Like Fivel's iconic character design doesn't even like. Yeah, he has his ears like pushed down, but I feel like they're not. They don't. They're not Mickey Mouse ears where they make the most of. They ex- exaggerate that feature. Are you also Are you just googling to... what mouse mice look like? Yeah, I'm described. Google describe a mouse <laughs> and a <laughs> computer mouse. God damn. Yeah, and, and like, what does a computer mouse have? Um, a little clitoris in the middle of a tail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit of a blue joke for it. Otherwise, <laughs> all right. This description uh, doesn't even mention tail. <laughs> just <laughs> oh fuck off! It doesn't. Mice have a slender body, blunt or tapered muzzle, scantily haired, prominent ears, 
narrow hind feet with bald soles and sharp small claws. Okay, see, like the description I'm reading says, a mouse is a small rodent, characteristically mice are known to have a pointed snout, small rounded ears, a body length, scaly tail, and a high but breeding it mentions, rate. it mentions ear for ears first. No, because it's leading to the... Saving the best for last time, Brian. I've never been more curious to see what the what the Discord is going to say about this. The question, if you if you've listened, if you're listening and you've forgotten the the moot, the question mm. at the center of this is what is the most iconic feature of a mouse? <laughs> okay, that's the question that we want you to answer in the scushy American Tale group. On We're gonna, side. I'm gonna like assign roles for this. I'm gonna like <laughs> team team ears, team tales or team ears. <laughs> I want like, point- I genuinely this is the last episode for the year we're not back until like February I want this to divide the fan base <laughs> for the next two months the the point I was making was that the title if you're going to do a mouse title in mouse pun in the title it should be something more specific so you mice. think it should be called an um ear akin tail t-a-l-e you know what it should be what appease us both an American <laughs> tail yeah all right all right no that's bullshit fuck you, what you <laughs> fuck, fuck you <laughs> do you want to should we read the, the i don't want to do album? anything <laughs> This is so stupid. I guess this is the true American tale, this divide. Just you know? yeah, hating each other um, for, for over, <laughs> over the stupidest things. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to um, to Cult Elders. This is a segment where if you donate to our, our Cult Elder tier on patreon.com slash Popshire, we ask you what you think of the movies, and you get to tell us. So, this isn't a little secret Discord server. So, over here, we've got a bunch of comments. Let's see. Um, Dan Went West reads i says huge huge fan of five all goes west haven't seen it since i was a kid <laughs> that's always a good sign <laughs> um but boy did i play that vhs on repeat throughout my childhood i didn't watch uh, the original nearly as much but one thing i really appreciated both was is for educating kids on anti-semitism and the struggles of immigrants in america um, Cheese also says, uh, watched Five All Goes West so many times. I hope it holds up some great voice acting, funny jokes, it rules. I mean, I think maybe this would hold up if you liked it as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. As someone who watched it for the potentially the first time, I don't know. If Pret- I... Did you say potentially again? <laughs> I don't, don't think so. <laughs> if it's funnier than yeah. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one? Uh, Most disappointing Brent says, My brain incorrectly remembers John Candy playing Tiger, no matter how much I read that it was Dom DeLuise. Do y'all, Brent from Texas, have any Mandela effect things like that where you can't unlearn the wrong info? I mean, my one is that David DeLuise (laughs) was in Brooklyn (laughs) Nine-Nine. Yeah, um, whenever I watch, and we talked about this when we got uh, for Patreon, for Generic Movie Podcast, whenever I watch the movie Clue, I'm like, ah, I forgot Susan Sarandon was in this. And then the credits roll, and I'm like, oh, it wasn't Susan Sarandon. It's just a woman that's clearly trying to look like Susan Sarandon. <laughs> um, Bluth My Don says, Dom DeLuise is so intrinsically tied to Don Bluth that I have a hard time seeing anyone else mm. in a lot of roles in his films. Um, none of the below were Dom DeLuise, but I always think they are for a second. If, if, and for a second, if they, if they were... 
I, I think about have these to a think lot. For a second if they were. All oh, right, um, and he's got a picture of other uh, Don Bluth characters like the guy from Titan AE and the guy from Anastasia and <laughs> the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Cheese says Fireball Goes West was a regular watch when I was a kid. I really loved it. The scenes with Wyatt Burt, voiced by James Stewart, are just so good. Uh, I agree. I do. I think. I think they are good. Um, can you read the big ass? Yeah, Bluth, my Don says first of all. Let me just say, the tail is the most iconic part of a mouse. How did he do that? (laughs) I'm going to wait. Jess? Jess is not an impartial observer. What's the most iconic part of a mouse? Huh? Oh, she said hold on. She said hold. Jess? The hole of a mouse. Just getting uh, input from my fiance. Oh, <laughs> um, is that is that's, that's canon the, on the, the podcast on now? The pod now. Jess, Hello. what's the most iconic part of a mouse? Teeth. Okay, Jess said teeth. All right, you can go back downstairs. <laughs> I I'd probably put teeth before tail. I'd go ears, teeth, tail. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah, because they have little buck teeth when they're depicted sometimes. Okay, no, it's yes! not important what yes! this is. I heard that. <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> I'd go I'd go ears, teeth, then I'd go the concept of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd go tail. No. The oh, all right. It should be called an American cheese. <laughs> okay, I, I I can get behind American cheese. <laughs> but ears also aren't specific to mice. I'm not but crucially i'm not saying it should be called an american ears i'm not saying the pun should be ear based no the sound i don't even like comments. puns i know so what why is- why do you want it to be called an american tale so bad i don't want it i was All joking right. uh blues says the animation of the first movie is absolutely incredible like some of the best pre-cgi animation i've ever seen just some awesome set pieces and fluidity to the animation that felt nicely stylized and genuinely fun the most dated part is ironically the somewhat groundbreaking 3d models which are actually rotoscoped objects that are filmed interesting memories of watching this film fall beyond my most distant memories like a blur at the precipice of having cohesive memories never say never stuck in my head that's interesting just talking about the um justin bieber documentary and (laughs) struck me with an ancient wave and nostalgia and while somewhere out there was also good the other two songs particularly tigers were pretty awful and honestly, you'd have to be a heathen to have enjoyed them. Overall, I'm, I'm really struggling to gauge what Bluth by Don is like. What his attitude is mm. to what the series. Overall, it was a good time, and I really enjoyed it. It was a bit frustrating to have all those close calls with Fivel almost running into his family. And mm, agreed. Did you notice that Fivel's infant sister isn't really in the film after they pass through immigration? It's a mistake brought on by a troubled production, apparently. Rather unfortunate yes. implications out of that context, though. Do you have more information on that? Uh, well, when um, was sa- I was saying how the, there was a truncated version of mm. the original script. That the is baby one of dies the and they cut that well, scene. The baby, but the baby's in the sequels, so the baby's yeah. just, I guess, hidden somewhere. Mm. Um, and I watched Five All Goes West, which MO is a better film, much better <laughs> film. While the animation is really good, the absence of Bluth can be felt throughout. The voice acting Wait, so is... are you saying that's a good thing? You keep saying good thing, and because of good thing, bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> like... 
the, the voice acting is great. Like, really great. Cheese, uh, Cleese, and Jimmy's... They didn't say cheese. Cleese and Jimmy Stewart no. are both fantastic in their roles. And the singing voice of Danya is about as good as Cleese Cat is acting like it is. I didn't like Tiger explaining most of the jokes. Like, oh, we get it. Him falling off the rock and saying, I hurt myself, is was hilarious. So, didn't like him explaining the jokes, but the bit where he falls off and <laughs> explains, explains what himself. happened was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the lady saying, pussy, 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 while strangling Cleese Cat between her breasts was odd. Hmm. That final but I scene liked with it. <laughs> <laughs> that final scene with Fireball and Wiley Burp was film magic. However, <laughs> <laughs> question: How exactly does Fireball know about the existence of Wiley Burp? This was before film. Mm. Mm. Don't know. Books. He came to him in a dream. Within the dream that the yeah, Fireball yeah. was restored. Yeah, like you know when you have dreams and it's like you have knowledge in the dream that you've just never yeah. learnt. Yeah, you're yeah. like oh i knew because of this thing you're like i don't remember being told that in the dream uh rcg2 out december 15th says i have only ever seen the first one in elementary school over a few rainy days liked it a lot gotten bits and pieces of the other ones through tv broadcast throughout the years one thing that has stuck out to me is fievel's design is so good instantly iconic design for a mascot character yeah there's the no piece of the little <laughs> dude nowadays <laughs> bring him back fievel could kick mickey mouse's ass any day yeah, interesting about the the iconic design. Yeah, it is. It's it feels like something people should dress up as. You know, like chuck a the hat, big hat on, the big and fucking then, floppy hat. Yeah, yeah, and then a tail, and you know, you're good to go. You don't really need anything else. Don't to, need to, anything else to, just, to, to, to show that you're a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point in my favor. Actually, if you were to dress up as a mouse, you wouldn't need the tail more than you'd need the ears. If you put the ears on, everyone's going to know you're a mouse. I feel like put, that's... Put the tail on, people are going to be like... Is he a giraffe? How... <laughs> <laughs> I, that's an interesting point. But I feel like that's more because of... Like, that says more about how humans read other humans' faces. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, because of, like... The iconography of like dressing up as something is just so lazy that you can just pop, you know, like the, the famous joke from Mingles, I'm a mouse, duh, she has the ears. But I feel like, yeah, that that's more about how we, you know, read another human being and just, you know, you look for something immediately available in the face area. I think if you were to... What are you talking about? I think if you what were to, you to dress up <laughs> as, a, as a photorealistic <laughs> mouse, you need the like an anatomically correct mouse you you, you need the both then oh, well more so the tail i would <laughs> uh, i love reading uh the cult elder segment and realizing like these guys would be better at the podcast than me like <laughs> bluth my dod's got so much talk so many more talking points here mm. than i had but well done everybody uh great reading it all uh meeting adjourned mm. Uh, and let's uh, move on to continue the franchise uh, where we pitch our own sequels to an American tale. But before we do that, um, as is the way with these sorts of things, an American tale spawned a media empire that extends well beyond the films. Um, this includes a Saturday morning cartoon TV series called Ooh. Fievel's American Tales, which interestingly adapts the um, or adopted the uh, old West aesthetic instead of reverting back to Manhattan. No, 
like the last two films. Uh, it aired in nineteen ninety two between Goes West and Treasure of Manhattan. Though I suppose this means the entire show is also a dream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it ran for one season of thirteen episodes. Um, uh, Wiley Burp is absent from the series because uh, Jimmy Stewart had retired by this point, and out of respect, they did not show the character. Aww. So, did you also um, see the other character that's not in Fireballs American Tales? Tony Tapony is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not in there because Pat Music, the the um, actress, was uh, parenting her daughter May Whitman. No way. Nice. She was a nepotism baby. Had no idea. (laughs) Nepotism from the the empire you get from doing uh, uh, American tale um, sequels. Um, There are also a few video games, including a point-and-click game based on the first two uh, films called An American Tale, The Computer Adventures of Fievel and His Friends for the DOS in 1992. There's also a side-scrolling platformer adaptation of An American Tale, Fievel Goes West for the SNES in 1994, and another side-scroller called An American Tale, Fievel's Gold Rush for the Game Boy Advanced in 2002. And bizarrely, a PlayStation 2 game simply titled An American Tale, which was a 3D platformer based on the original movie and released in 2007. <laughs> uh, nine years after the last movie and 21 years after the movie it was based on. Do you know what's even more um, insane, bizarre about that? Is that mm-hmm. An American Tale for PS2 is the the cover image for yeah. An American Tale franchise on Wikipedia. Yeah. I saw that as well. It's nuts. It's so weird. Um, what, like, I'm just, I'm so curious when stuff like this happens. Like, even 2002, a game coming out is quite surprising for a series that finished in 1999. Mm. But like, because wh- what are the rights holders for an American Tale doing that they have the like, you know, the ability to make a video game based on a 21 year old movie? Because no one is like going out and buying the movie because of the video. Like, it's not mm. a tie in game. It's so weird. The I can't game think looks of, like, quite fun. I'm looking at the um, An American Tale PS2 full game 1080p HD 100% walkthrough no commentary, which is 40 mm. minutes long, mm. um, which doesn't bode well <laughs> for the game. But Shorter than little, the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that it's just a yeah, it's a fun little um, thing. Mm. Fun little platformer. Well, I think if I were more invested in this franchise, I'd suggest I continue the franchise like Five All Goes North or Five All mm. Goes South, just to, to visit the different pulpy American direction stereotypes. Mm. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd um, go um, Five All Goes East and he goes to... Back to New York. China. Ah, oh, nice. Mm. Well, I'd love to see the voice acting for that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I was less invested, I'd probably pitch something satirical like Five All Storms the Capital. Like, nice. you know, what is America? But the, the franchise kind of already dips into what the truth of America. So, like, yeah. this joke that I planned before watching them feels like it doesn't really apply now. Instead, though, I exist in the middle where I didn't hate these, nor did I love them. And so how can I make this franchise more appealing to me? Uh, an American Tale in Space. I feel like if there mm. were 13 sequels. Like Pug- Black Pinocchio. Yep, yeah, exactly. I feel like there would be there could be one where they get on Sputnik or something like that mm. and end up in space, you know. Um, an American Tale 2099. Fievel is frozen and wakes up in the distant future. That was actually going to be part of my one but you continue uh and finally i've got a new zealand tale oh. let's let's put it in new zealand yeah and it's about a kiwi yeah 
Goes to New Zealand? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They'll be be called an American beak. Mm, An American large body. Yeah. What's the most iconic thing on a Kiwi? Well, the large body, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Five all, you know, the, the the machete order of American Tale that he, you watch one and then the sequel, the four, and then he goes to sleep, dreams two, wakes, I guess he wakes up in the third one, but if you don't use that order and he goes to sleep at the end of the fourth one, presumably to dream another spinoff, like the the second one, um, mm. that he, he wakes up in modern day. Yeah, and he he, he slipped through the Holocaust, um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't I I don't know. There'd, there'd be something about um, he ends up working in the White House. <laughs> yeah, he works in the White. He becomes president. He becomes mouse president. <laughs> yes, and he's a tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's oh my god, he, he like yeah, it's a Trump allegory, but they use yeah, Fievel yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, Richard, all we have to do now is rank that franchise. So over on letterbox.com, we have a ranking of all the franchises we have ever watched on uh, letterbox.com slash cultpopshire. And if you go to our lists, there's one called FFF Ranking. uh, Where do you think we should rank this puppy? I think this belongs between the Rugrats movie and Predator. What number is that? Seventy-six. Seventy-six. All right. Let's let me let me just check this. Okay. Let me check my work. Um. So seventy-six. We want to go to. So. Um. All right. So well, at seventy-six, that places it. Um. Right. So not as good as the Rugrats movie, but better than the Predator series as a whole. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy with this. We're saying it's not as good as the Psycho series, High School Musical, or Spy Kids, but we are saying it's better than Predator, The Mighty Ducks, and Anchorman, just above yeah. the Nymphomaniac constant. Yeah. Nice. I'm happy with that. So this is the 76th best franchise we've ever watched, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, friends beyond the binary, that is Ooh. film franchise Fortnite's for. 2022 yeah. um the the podcast is not stopping we'll be back uh next week with uh i think our netflixmas episode um and then we'll be doing our usual yearly wrap-up uh episodes but we will be back in the new year with a franchise we're maybe still deciding on maybe already have decided on maybe we've already recorded it Um, if you Maybe enjoyed this, mm. oh! If you enjoyed this, please consider following us on Instagram and Twitter at Cult Popshire, and you can also support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Cult Popshire, or you can join the Discord, which there is a link to in the show notes. Stay tuned because after this music finishes, we'll be doing a post-credit scene where we answer someone's question. Uh, but that's yeah, that's it for the year, and that's it for an American Tale, Richard. Somewhere out there all dreams come true including listening to this podcast wow with your tail yeah you listen with your tail (laughs) all right welcome along to the post credit scene this is a segment at the end of each episode if you donate five dollars or more over at patreon.com slash cold pop you get to give us something to talk about in this the post credit scene
Ian. And Richard, what is it and who's it from this week? This one comes to us from Brent Taylor, who says the US lottery is at $1 billion this weekend. What are the first three things you'd do if you work $1 billion? I think that's probably supposed to be one. Um, I I know what yours would be. What would eat be? yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> Keep it all for myself. Yes. Yeah. Become what I sought to destroy. Uh, no, you would eat yourself or kill yourself or... Um, well, you'd if just I become started, evil, wouldn't you? If I ate myself, would I uh, <laughs> get twice as big or disappear completely? Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, first thing I would do would be get a lawyer. Before I even cash on the ticket, I would I would get a lawyer, an accountant, so that I can learn how to dodge taxes. <laughs> no, I think, like, if I won <laughs> this... Enough lawyers do that. <laughs> um, I, yeah, you need a criminal lawyer. Uh, I think right. the, the, the thing of, like... All these roundabout ways of like paying less tax. If I have a billion dollars that I just got, like I'll pay as much tax as you want me to. If you, mm. if at the end of this I'm left with a measly hundred million dollars, that's <laughs> more money than I would make in my life anyway. Hmm. You can well, take. I if think- I win a billion dollars, I will pay nine hundred million in tax, and I'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> I don't. I don't think lotto is is ta- you don't is. get tax from your lotto though. Yeah, you do. You don't get text from um the chase. I know that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure. Um, I would have thought it, that because it's it's winnings, it's exempt from. No, nah, the um uh prizes are taxed up the wazoo. So that that's the whole big thing about um Oprah giving away like cars and stuff is that now you have to pay tax on this prize you won, and so right. bankrupts people. And then and now Mr. Beast is going through the same thing, and he says like. You know, oh, there's all these articles that come out being like, oh, Mr. Beast bankrupts someone because I, I gave them a private jet. And he's like, well, just sell the jet. It's like, you're giving you someone the, the burden of selling a jet. Who do you sell a jet to? <laughs> uh, nice. If I won a billion dollars. What do you think I, of Mr. Would... Beast? Sorry. I, I feel like this is something we haven't I, talked about. I've heard enough uh, bad shit about him to not not trust him. I just find him, I, I, it's, he's so awkward to talk, like, his his interactions with people how is this guy the most subscribed to youtuber who's like gonna yeah. be the first youtube billionaire um i actually know very little about him to be honest he, he pops up like, my tiktok all the time but like often like very very infrequently it's actually his tiktoks there's quite i see a lot of people stitching with him or like right. reacting to him or trying to get his attention or something like that i didn't um know who he was until he made his own squid game i'd never heard hmm. of him yes yeah, yeah neither would i um, if I got a billion dollars, I would like to think I would, I've, I've talked about this with people before. I want to work out like what is ethically the best thing I can do with it that would still result in like a nice, um, like be comfortable for the rest of my life. Hmm. Some pay, like pay how much millions do, of texts? Yeah. How much do I need to be comfortable? Um, and how much do I, can I, can I keep to still be like, um, you know to not not be seen as like exorbitantly greedy and then i would give the rest to different charities mm. i think that's um, what i'd like to think i would do i'm not as i'm not as good of a person to say i would definitely do yeah, that, yeah. that's what i'd like to, to answer the like fun version of brent's yeah, right. job <laughs> uh, of brent's question like like of like what are the the huge purchases i would make it would be like your, your classic stuff like and, and, and this isn't like the first three things, but I feel like this is the answer you want is like, it would be buying a house. I would deck it out with like a movie theater and stuff like that. There's probably like a business that I would like save or buy 
like Cole Popsha. Mm. You were on a buy, Cole Popsha. Yeah, but because the, there's like money. I know in um like in the state when I was in uh, Seattle, they've got like this beautiful Cinerama building that's just gone under and it's just like it's still there but i know like because i did a little bit of reading about it and it's like yeah and it's like i would love to like save an old theater like that or something um i don't know if a billion dollars would do that but there's things like that would be i, I would a try billion to, dollars would do that yeah a billion dollars a fuck ton of money i would i would i could fund a movie right, 10 million dollars would do that cost to save an old cinema but you want you want something where it's like you can keep sinking money into it and keep it afloat even though it's not making a profit you know mm. you don't you don't want to just would... like it's not going to just save itself and then you you're like you save it and then it will be fine you're probably going to yeah. need to i would like to go go traveling yeah, I think travel I would spend some money on well. that. I would like to go to some like film fest, like the big film festivals and things like mm. that, and then purchase um, one of the films. Yeah, and just release it, like like buy like Scorsese's new like the 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 product, the distribution rights for Scorsese's next film, and it just goes on the Cop Popsha YouTube channel. Yes, I would like to. Like, I don't know if there's any like large like massive things I I want. I I do like being comfortable though, and I like the occasional luxury. So maybe that's maybe I'd just live a life of comfort. That, 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 yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, like, I would quit my job, but still do the, like, still keep all my film review contacts and, like, mm. you, and, and just, like, still do that, just freelancing, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Be like, I, I don't work for you anymore, you work for me, essentially, that it's like, I will, I will work when it's convenient for me, or when I feel like it, you know? And like all the all the junkets, rather than doing Zoom, they'll be like, "Oh, hey, yeah, there's a junket out of New York in three days." I'll be like, "Cool, I'll be there." <laughs> mm, nice. Because I don't care about the environment. I'm I'm a regular Taylor Swift with my earphones. <laughs> well, you could do a lot to fix the environment with a billion dollars. Yeah, well, what are you going to do for a billion dollars to fix the environment? Elon Musk. Not, said I don't. Fix I don't know, but someone will know, and I can just ask them. You pay them to do it for you. <laughs> A billion dollars. I could pay God to fix everything. <laughs> I can't believe the American Tale episode is this long. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, it, well it's not that the episode's so long. It's just got this really long tail on it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.